Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank God for his goodness and his mercy. Thank him for another Thursday night Bible study. Amen. God is good and he's worthy to be praised. I will invite you to stand with me tonight. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer. And I would like for you to pray with me tonight. Um, I'll let you in on a little something. Um, as pastors, um, there, there are times when God is up to things. You don't know what it is, but you can become agitated in your spirit. And you don't really have control over the agitation. Uh, it, it's, it's something that's, that's not getting done or supposed to be done or God is doing something and, you know, or, or just like, um, Jeremiah, uh, you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah talked about, uh, when he said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Um, it was referring to a situation where, uh, God is allowing him to speak, almost making him speak. And he's looking at the people that he's speaking to. And it's like they just don't want to hear what he has to say. It's like um, um, they're not even listening to what he's saying. But God is making him say what he's saying. Um, and, and that's why he referred to the words that he spoke, how they came out, where he said it's like fire shut up in his bones. is because he looked at the people and felt like, I don't want to say this. It's not making a difference. And they're going to be mad at me. They're going to stone me. Whatever the case may be and so he didn't want to say it but he just couldn't help it he belted it out because that's just how God was working in his life and so those are the different things that God's men and women go through when God uses them in this kind of way and um, it's a challenge sometimes and something that just keeps bothering me and I put me probably at the front of the line as far as um, what I just get agitated about is I just feel like um, we need more um, we need more of God's presence to move among us and I know it's not because God is withholding anything from us um, but what I think happens a lot of times this is what I think happens a lot of times I think we come together for Bible study or for church service. We come together cold. What does that mean? It means that um, throughout our week, even throughout our day, we're doing so many things that have our minds occupied or preoccupied with things that are not spiritual. And so when we come into the house of the Lord, all we can really do is prepare for a moment our, our heart to receive, but we're not going to be remotely close to preparing to give God anything because we've used up so much energy and thought process and, and so much of what's going on around us. We've used up so much of that to just deal with that day that all we really think about when we come together is, God, will you help me tonight? Because you don't have anything to give. 
But if we will do a better job, starting with myself in throughout our week, throughout our day, just being involved and and handling the things of God, uh, I think when we come together, we will have more to give than just coming to say, God, give me what I need to get. Because it seems like what we kind of just do is just give me what I need, Lord, so I can keep going. And you hear me talk about relationships all the time, that if you're in any relationship and you're the giver all the time and the other person is the taker, you get worn out. Now, I know we can't wear God out, but I know this much, that it won't be a good situation for any of us if all we want to do is take from God and we never give anything unto him. And so I don't know what I can do. Um, Sister Josephine, the other night on our family call, talked about uh, prayer and consecration and fasting, and we'll do that. I think I have a date um, that we're going to start doing that. I think we, we're going to do it the week of October the 4th through whatever that week end. I, I don't know if it ends somewhere around um, the 10th. So October 4th through 10th is um, when we want to do prayer, fasting, and consecration. Um, but that's just one week. And I, I, I look forward to doing that because I know we'll see a difference when we come together. But just from the standpoint of how much are we engaging God throughout our week and throughout our day and being spiritual. So when we come together, we can't wait to get into the house of the Lord. We're, quote unquote, chomping at the bit because we've been so active in our spirit, in the word of God in God's presence that we know we have something to offer when we come together and not just here to say, God, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. And so that's one of the things that I feel challenged in my spirit about is just how we just go about our day on the regular, on the norm. And yes, I know we work. Yes, I know we have families. Yes, I know we have to do chores and we have to take care of our homes and all of these things, I am not discounting them. All I'm saying is, I don't know how we get to that place of being so uh, connected or intertwined or uh, just just constantly being involved with the things of the kingdom, the things of God, the presence of the Lord, the word of God, just handling that just consistently that when we come together, we don't have to just receive but we can give and when there is giving and receiving there's going to be an explosion how do they say we experience um um how do we experience um um storms cold front and warm front clashing and that's how you experience storms and i think that for us to experience uh tremendous moves of God's spirit in the church, I believe it's going to have to be a clashing of the saints of God is giving and God is giving and just the power of God just overflow and just move among us because we're both trying to give. And when we're both giving, there's something that has to flow over in the atmosphere. And so I'm praying that we can get to that place that we are a people that will really try to conduct each and every moment of our lives and our days 
to be consumed with the things of God. So when we come together, hear me, we can't live for God and just think of our, we can't live for God and just think of ourselves. And when people come among us that aren't really living for God or in a state where they don't really know like you know God, they need us to be engaged with God. They need us to really have something going on so when it happened, they can leave here saying, man, I felt something in that place. Something happened to me in that place. And they need that. But the way we operate, or most of the times the way we operate, is going to really be just so uh, uh, selfish. Lord, so glad to be in the house today. Today was a long day. Oh, God, you know, I even didn't even pray the way I wanted to. I didn't spend time with you the way I wanted to. And Monday didn't work out and Tuesday didn't work out. But I'm glad to be in your house tonight so, you know, you can touch my heart and give me the strength that I need. And that's all well and good. That happens from time to time where that's just all you can say. But is that the norm or is it just happening sometimes? We need to make the norm when we come together that we have something to offer. We have something to give to the God, to give to our God. And if somebody needs something, we were so plugged in that because we were so plugged in, God can use us to be a blessing and his presence can overflow in his house and people lives can be changed. It can be somebody, you know, that you don't know what they're going through, but because you were plugged in whatever you're doing as you're giving to God and God is working in you that presence just begin to move among us. So let's pray and ask God to truly help us. I prayed that this morning. I said, God, I, I, I just want to be in the flow of what you're doing in the earth. Every single day of my life, I want to be in the flow of God's spirit and God's will for our life every day. I don't want to be outside of it. So let's pray and ask God to put us in this flow where we can stay in the flow of his spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I am so grateful that we as a people of God, the church, the body of Christ can come together as we do to study your word, Lord God, to be able, Lord God, to be fed, to be able, oh God, to have fellowship one with another, and more importantly, to have fellowship with you. Lord, we repent of our sins tonight because, Lord, we've dropped the ball so oftentimes. We, we, oh God, allow ourselves to be consumed by things that are not profitable unto you, Lord God. We, we've allowed ourselves, almighty God, to be distracted and God, take ourselves out of the flow of your spirit, Lord Jesus, where, God, we can live a life that is right and pleasing before you. Tonight, Lord, we're asking for forgiveness, Lord God, from you. For God, we want to experience a life, Lord God, that is in the flow of the Spirit, Lord God, a life, Almighty God, where you can be pleased with, Lord God, for you are the one who gave us breath and strength and life, Almighty God, for your purpose. And tonight, Almighty God, we're asking that you will open.
open our eyes, Lord God, to see clearly. And oh my God, that you will instruct us in the ways of God, the perfect ways of God. That Lord God, we can live a life that is right and pleasing unto you. Not a selfish life, oh God, but a Christ-centered life. A life, almighty God, where our motives, oh God, will be right. Our motives will be, oh God, how can we be a blessing, Lord God? How can we be a blesser, almighty God? How can we give as opposed to just receive? The Son of Man came not to, oh God, be ministered unto, but to minister. And oh my God, I'm asking tonight that you help us one and all, Lord God, to be ministers. In other words, to serve, to give of ourselves, Lord God, to be givers, oh God, more than we are receivers. Tonight, I ask, oh God, that you will touch our hearts, and oh God, that you will allow your spirit to move among us, to work among us, that Lord God, we can get on the straight and narrow, that we can be consumed by the things of the kingdom. You said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. Tonight, Lord God, we're asking that you do a work deep down inside of us, not just so we can receive from you, but so our lives will align with your purpose, with your will, and so we can serve, so we can give, so we can offer of ourselves, Lord God. Will you have your way tonight, oh God? Let the Holy Ghost, Lord God, oh God, move inside of us and your presence, Lord God. Let it move among us, Almighty God. That change will take place. Our desires will be different, Lord God. And oh God, our focus, Lord God, will be just what it needs to be. Father, have your way tonight. Will you speak to us? Will you allow the Holy Ghost to work in me and through me, Lord God, and upon the hearts of your people and the ears? Let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray tonight that you'll bless your church. Bless them, Lord God. Touch them, Almighty God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray your peace and your comfort upon the Burgess family, Lord God, as they mourn their loss, Almighty God. Touch them, Lord God, with your peace. Touch them, Lord God, with your comfort, Lord God. And lead them, Lord God, in your presence and let your will be done in their lives. Have your way tonight in our Bible study, Lord. We yield to you and we say, have your way. Order, Lord God, every aspect of these few moments that we have in here tonight together, Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah! In the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying along with us. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. We're going to finish up tonight on our lesson that we have been 
talking about for, what has it been, five weeks? Somewhere around there. And so we're going to complete our last lesson tonight on questions Christians ask. Questions Christians ask. Amen. We're going to finish it up. And we'll see how that go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Questions Christians ask. Our final question that we often hear people ask is this. How do I find God's will for my life? How do I find God's will for my life? How do I find God's will for my life? That's a significant question and is very important. And obviously, it is so important that we will discuss that a bit tonight. The will of God is something you must do to be saved. So when you start to talk about finding God's will for your life, you need to understand that is significant and that is important because we must do the will of God to be saved. If we don't do the will of God, we cannot be saved. That's significant because a lot of times we find ourselves doing what we want. So if we must do the will of God for us to be saved, then that means, Mama Allen, if we do our will, we're probably not going to be saved. <laughs> That's what that means. If, if we have to do the will of God to be saved, then likely if we do our own will, we won't be saved. And so it's important to constantly ask yourself, am I doing the will of God or am I doing my own will? Every time we wrestle with a big decision, it seems that if there were just some way, mm -hmm, some way to know God's will, all things would be just wonderful. Right? So many times we're trying to figure out what is God's will for our life. And in trying to figure that out, it's just not that easy. And we would say to ourselves, if God would just let me know, I know I've said that many a times. If God would just let me know what his will is, it would, so, it would just be so much easier. For instance, we're trying to uh, get our own church building. And in doing so, we don't really know where God's will is for us to be. We know the area, we're in the vicinity, but as far as building is concerned, we don't know for sure. And it would be so easy for God to just say, you're going to be at so-and-so location. Yes, I won't tell you exactly when you will be there, but you will be at so-and-so location, and that's that. Wouldn't that be so easy if God can just reveal to us where we're going to be? But he hasn't. And so because he hasn't, we're doing all the things we can do 
to hear from God and receive his instructions for where he wants or where he will place us as a church, the building we will occupy. And so it's interesting that he just won't tell us. Wouldn't it be so simple for him to just tell us? But we continue to pursue that endeavor. Obviously, God's will in some areas of our lives is very, very clear. There are some things that no need to entertain conversation about for God's will because it's clear. I tell folks there are some things that you don't have to pray about (laughs) and ask God if it's his will. You don't have to pray and ask God if it's his will for your kids to be saved. You don't have to pray and ask God if it's okay for your neighbor to be saved, your, 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 your loved one. You know, you don't have to pray and ask God what is your will for them. Should they be saved? That's just a no brainer. God wants everyone saved. But there are some things that we will realize that we're not sure about. But here's an example of something that I can see clearly wouldn't be the will of God, but some people might feel like it could be the will of God. So listen to this. You get a job offer 1,000 miles away in a big city, and it's a big promotion and a nice raise, and it's going to allow some of your dreams to come true, You and your kids and your family would have to relocate to this nice big city. But is that the will of God? So you begin to check out the area, the cost of living, the cost of homes, schools. And when you look for an apostolic Pentecostal church, you find out the city doesn't have one. In fact, the closest apostolic Pentecostal church is about 200 miles away. Now tell me, is that the will of God that you move to that city? Is that the will of God that you go because all of the money and the stuff you wanted, you can really receive by going there? Is that the will of God that you move there? Some people might feel like it might be. But I will tell you this, for me, I would not uproot my family from a good church and go to a place where there is no church. I don't care how much you're paying me. Mm-hmm. That's an easy decision for me because we cannot make it to heaven without being a functioning part of God's church. We're not going to make it to heaven without being a functioning part of God's church. He calls us a body and we're all different parts of the body. And so we function within the body because we are the body of Christ. And so it can't be God's will that I move away because I'm getting a big raise. And there's no church there in that city. So that's not God's will. For some people, they might still wrestle with that. I've come to learn something very, very important. 
And I, and, and, and I know it, but I was reminded by it the other day, Sister Josephine, when I leave it right there. I was reminded by it. I, I got a call from someone the other day, and they seem broken. They seem like life just have got them to the worst place. They're tired of where they are in life and what they've gone through. And obviously they're reaching out to a pastor. It's because they, they need some help. And I spoke to the person and the individual and, you know, kind of lightly just have a discussion. Nothing deep, just a light discussion about, you know, when we really want change to take place in our lives, two things have to be in us. We have to really want that change and we have to really say, I will do whatever I have to for that change to take place in my life as long as there's nothing wrong. I will do whatever. I mentioned that to the person and they were like, yeah, yeah, that's true, you know, and that's something that we know. And we talked a little bit and we talked a little bit. I said, you know, you're welcome to come uh, to the church. We can schedule some time to talk some more and get more in depth into uh, what's going on. And, you know, if you really want to, you know, get away from, you know, the situation that you're in and overcome and, you know, have some change take place in your life, we can work at that. God has changed my life. So I'm not telling you something I don't know. And I watched God change so many people's life. And the person was like, yeah, you're right. And they said, well, I got to get back to work now. Could you pray for me? I said, absolutely. And I prayed for them. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you. And they hung up. But it's just a reiteration. And I'm not surprised. I've been serving the Lord for a little bit. I've seen a lot of things. And church, when we say God is good, part of the goodness of God is this. There is no way you're sincere about wanting God. There's no way you're sincere about wanting God to change your life. There is no way you're sincere about God helping your hurt and your frustration and all of the things that you're dealing with. There's no way you're sincere about being saved. There's no way you're sincere about the things of God and God won't meet you. Because if he won't do it, then he can't be as good as we say he is. He will not be considered good the way we like to say God is good. He would not be considered good if we have deep desires for the right things to get our life in order and he doesn't meet us. No way. If not, he's not a good God. So we better understand this. A lot of times when things are not working in our lives is because we don't want to get them right bad enough. Yeah, I know that's usually when people usually get quiet about that because we normally can look in our lives and see we've been carrying our baggage and we won't let them go. And we keep saying God won't deliver us from things and God won't do this and God won't do that. You're crazy if you think that you've got a situation in your life that can destroy you, that can keep you away from God. And you really want to see that situation change and God never get involved. You're crazy if you think that. Not the God that I serve. The God that I serve saying, my child hurting, I got to go. My child is being taken advantage of, I got to go. My child want to be saved. My child want to know truth and not false doctrine, I got to go. That's the kind of God we serve. But you best believe if you just rhetoric, talk, 
if you're just saying stuff so people can hear, but deep down in your How you want it. We want God to do the change. Man, help us, Lord. Because we want God to do the change the way we think he needs to do the change. Now, if we were so smart and so good, why would we even need God to get involved? If we were that brilliant, if we knew how to make it just right, Why would we need God to get involved? So the minute we begin to get God involved into our situation, it needs to click to us and say, it's not going to go down the way I want it. The minute you got to go to him and say, God, I need your help. Just accept. Everybody listen to me. You that are watching online, you that are here. When you decide to go to God, I'm giving you probably the best advice I can ever give you from this point on. When you bring something to God, make up in your mind and your heart that it's not going to go the way you want it. And so the only way you're going to him is because you're ready for him to do what he wants to do and you will not have anything to do with it. Nothing. When you go to almighty God to say, Lord, I need your help. Just put in your mind. And I have nothing else to do with it. I am not trying to get it figured out my way. Whatever you tell me, however you want to do it, that's the way I will do it. Because if I was that good, I would have never came to you, God. We need to tell him that. If I was that great, if I was that smart, if I was that powerful, whatever I'm dealing with, I would not have come to you because I would have fixed it myself. But from the moment I've decided now it's time to go to Jesus, it means, God, I've given up all my rights. I'm not asking any questions except for the ones that I need to ask to understand what you're telling me to do. That's it. Anything else, not suffice. We cannot go to God for him to work things out and give us instructions, but we're still trying to put our own ideology in it. Don't work. Don't work. You might as well try to do that on your own. So, how can we know God's will for our life? There are moral things that I don't have to pray about. If you're lying all the time, please don't go to God praying and say, God, help me stop lying. I mean, if you want, you can go do that. But I'm just saying, thou shalt not lie. That's all. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. I don't have to pray about that kind of stuff. I don't have to pray about, Lord, do I need to repent of my sins? Yes, I do. I don't need to pray about, Lord, should I be baptized in Jesus' name? Yes, I do. I don't need to be pray. I don't need to pray and say, God, do I need to have the Holy Ghost? I don't need to pray about that. Yes, I do. Yes, 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 yes. Some things are very plain. But what about the gray areas? Things that are a little tougher to decide. You ready for this one? Something tough like, how do I know who to date? We in church and we just think we can date anybody. It started at home. I have some friends. I always talk about this. 
I have some friends. Let me use one example. My buddy Jimmy Tony, uh, his daughter, Caitlin, just got married the other day. And Caitlin probably, I don't know, maybe 22. And she got married to a young man she went to Bible school with. He's a preacher. She knows music. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And I have so many buddies that that's the way they went. Start at home. They were groomed by their parents, talked by their parents. Listen, you're a child of God. God's got great plans for you. And if God's got great plans for you, you have to make sure you link up with somebody who God's got great plans for as well. Same kind of plans. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to ruin all what God wants to do in your life. So you need to be thinking about that and living out that part of your life. So as you grow up, you got to gear everything towards understanding God's got a great plan for your life. He wants to use you mightily. And the bottom line is you can't be with anybody else other than that. If not, God's will will not be done in your life. And so I've got a good amount of friends that are Christians that they have embraced that life and their kids have gotten married and they're married to, you know, the kind of people that they need to be married to. And then I got a good group of friends that that's not happening. Because somewhere along the line, some is pushing that and others are not. Yeah, this is a tough conversation to have that I'm having with you right now. But I am just so to the point of just we got to talk truth. We got to talk the word so people can be be able to get helped. And so you got to know who to date. You will ruin your life if you begin to date somebody that's not in the same lane you're in when it comes down to God. You will ruin your life. You have to date someone that's in your lane. It's not wrong for me to say, I want my daughter to marry another preacher's son. That they in the lane. They can relate. Yeah. I want, remember, I wanted to go on that school trip that they went on and daddy had to preach someplace and we had to go with him. Man, I was so mad. They can have that conversation on the side and laugh because they both probably experienced that. Yeah, daddy woke us up in the morning. I'm trying to get some sleep in before school. He talking about let's pray. They can have those conversations and they can laugh about those conversations. They have something in common. So you got to know who to date. Because you can ruin your, 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 God's will for your life. That's what we're talking about. How can I know God's will for my life? You will ruin God's will for your life by hooking up with the wrong person. Who do I marry? You got to know that. You got to know who do you marry. These are very, very important questions as a child of God so you can know the will of God. Which job should I take? Should I sell my home? Should I move out of state? We got to ask ourselves these questions. It's not easy to sell your home. Uh, when you're a Christian, you got, you got to know. Where does God want me to be? 
You know, we're here in this building and I know God sent me here. So in my mind, I'm like, God, the natural course of action is if you send us here, I'm going to wait till you send us to the next place. I mean, I just don't see any other course of action. I don't care how bright I am. I don't care how smart I think I am. You send us here. You tell us where the next place is. And so we're here praying. We're here fasting. We're here doing whatever we can until he says where the next place will be. Because if he sent us here, he's got something else in mind where he wants us to go. There's some decision that should put that we should put into the hands of God because those decisions could greatly affect us and our family. Remember, I told you some of the decisions that you make, you got to ask the question first. In five years from now, what significance will this decision be? In 10 years from now, what significance? In 20 years from now, what significance? You got to ask yourself those questions. I think you can also take this too far in trying to find out God's will. Some people, you know, start going, it's God's will. I messed with my mom the other day. She probably going to tell me that she still believes strongly. We wanted some porridge for our um, what we call it, our prayer breakfast. And she's talking about she waiting for God because the last time God told her to do it. But bottom line is, whether God tell you to do it or not tell you to do it, it's all good to make some porridge and give us. God not ever going to be mad to say, why do, Why you made porridge and gave to them? They, they don't need no porridge. He's never going to be mad. God ain't never going to be mad if I go in my pocket and give you $20. Never. Never. I don't know why you're putting your hands up. What you want? I tell you, I, I always tell Cindy, whatever she wants. She always asks, she just messing with me. Because you know whatever you want, I get, give it to you. You don't want $20. You want $20? Okay, come for the $20. Come on, hurry up. You're holding up our Bible study. You're holding up our Bible study. Here's your $20. All right, let me keep teaching. But, but, but I didn't, I didn't need to hear from God. I didn't, I, okay, there you go. I didn't, I didn't need to hear from God to give her $20. You see what I'm saying? So there's some things we just, you know, you don't worry about it. You don't take it so far. You don't want to take it too far. Now, some of us just go to the extreme, you know, and they say to some pastor, they can't say it in this church because I look at you like you're crazy. Pastor, what color should I paint my house? You say that to me, I'm going to just keep on walking like I didn't hear you. There's some people that does that to, 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 to the pastor. Pastor, what, what color should I paint the house? You're getting too crazy now, people. <laughs> or what kind of toilet tissue should I use? One ply or two ply? Crazy, crazy people. <laughs> but there are certainly... Our decisions we need to hear from God about. There's certain things in life we better hear from God about. Ephesians 1 and 1, the Apostle Paul said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ because it was God's will for him to be an apostle. Apostle by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. I just thought about something. 
For those of you that are online viewer, man, you just missed out on $20. If you was here, you probably, it could have been you. Because I gave it to Sylvia and Sylvia gave it to somebody else. So you never know who might get the money. <laughs> you never know. You come in person. There's a lot of things that can transpire. So Paul was called according to the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. Paul says God has a will. God has, and not just one will, it's a, there's plenty of wills of God. God, what is your will for me? We're all supposed to be asking that. Right now, right at this moment, the good news is, depending on where you are in your walk with life, in your walk, in, in, in your walk with Christ, there's going to be different ways God will point out what his will is for you at that moment. So depending on where you are in your walk with Christ, he will uh, point out to you what is his will at that moment. I can keep making the same mistakes over and over because I have just a short time in this life because I'm just, you know, floating in the wind asking God. What is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? We have to really and truly make sure we understand God's will for our life. That's why we have to get it right, because we can spend time just chasing and chasing and never knowing. So Ephesians 1 and 9, Paul says, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. That key word is mystery. God having made known unto us the mystery of his will. You'll see what I mean by why that is the key word. The mystery of his will, which means that God must have known his will before he ever revealed it to us. So in many instances, God's will is veiled. It's not revealed to us. Having made known refer to something that's being unveiled. But until God makes his will known to you, you can't see it. It's veiled. You can't see it. But, but God, if you will seek him, will begin to unveil his will to you. In other words, God doesn't show you his will all at once. And God has a purpose in not disclosing his will to you all at once. Because there's something in the stumbling and in the searching that strengthens our relationship with God. The reason why God hasn't told us the next address of where Christ-centered church will be as home is because he needs us to continue to seek after him because there's something that he will reveal to us in the searching. There's something he will reveal to us in the frustration. There's something he will reveal to us in the stumbling. It will help us to get closer to him because as we're searching for the will of God, as we're seeking for the will of God, it's still him that we're looking at. Huh. There's something in that, in that seeking. Isaiah says, seek ye the Lord. God wants us to seek him. And sometimes by veiling up his will, it motivates us to seek him. Because there's something about seeking that enriches us. We, we got to realize there's something about seeking God 
that enriches us. Church, let me tell you this. Here is another nugget I'm giving you tonight. If you're going to make this journey and one day be in heaven, you have to start appreciating the process. If all you want is results, you're going to be frustrated and you may never get to the results that you're looking for. You have to appreciate the process. And so when you expect for God to reveal something to you and he doesn't and you have to get back on your knees or you have to keep on going and saying, God, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. There's something that's happening in that process that you will not know until after you come through it. Then you will realize, oh my goodness, I thank God for that process. I can see better. I can understand things better because I went through the process. God wants us to go through the process as opposed to just giving us answers. Here you go. Here you go. You don't learn anything from answers. You learn things through process. I heard Drew Brees said the other day that you learn the most when you lose, not when you win. It's all right sometimes to not get what you want. It's all right to get frustrated. It's all right to suffer defeat here and there in some things. Get up and just let God keep working in your life. Can you imagine if you've never known what it is to fall? If you never know what it is to get in a bad spot? I thank God for all my failures as a Christian. <laughs> I always say, man, if I never had problems, if I never messed up as a Christian, man, I would be no good. I would be very judgmental. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll just talk to myself. Y'all over there, with, y'all online with me? If I didn't mess up in my walk in Christ, I'm sure I would be judgmental. I'll be looking at everybody and say, what's your problem? Why can't you get it together? I know that's our human nature. We would do it. Uh, I remember when Magic Johnson became a coach. Uh, we know Michael Jordan owns a team. And both of them are great businessmen. Probably some of the best that ever played basketball. And they're terrible with people. When it comes down to help people become successful. Why? They were so good. That they're wondering why you can't be so good. <laughs> Magic Johns are looking like, you can't make that pass. What's wrong with you, boy? And they're looking at him like, we're not you. Jordan is like, well, why can't you drive from the foul line? I mean, I thought you could jump. That's why I drafted you. We're not you, bro. So it's clear that if you don't make any mistakes, you're going to be judgmental. And you will never be successful. Because you're wondering why everybody can't do what you do. So I thank God for my failures in Christ. So I don't have to stand behind this desk and act like I got it together. So I don't have to stand behind this desk and say, what's your problem? There's something about seeking God that will enrich our lives. And sometimes he doesn't respond to us just to see if we want him bad enough. So many people get in trouble where they seek God and when they don't hear from God.
God. They stop praying. They stop coming to church. They're not interested in reading their Bibles anymore. And God is shaking his head and says, yeah, okay. And you want me to respond to you? God sometimes does not respond to us because he wants us to keep seeking him. He wants us to keep pursuing his will because there's things that we will receive and learn in the pursuit. Sometimes he allows the answer to be behind the door. And we say, God, you put a door in the way of my answer. Yes, because there's something you learn in knocking (laughs) that you couldn't have received if I had given it to you more easily. Just by knocking, just by knocking, you learn something. Now we see with greater understanding what Jesus was saying when he said, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. A lot of people are saying, so God knows everything. Why is he? You can say whatever you want to say when you don't know God. So those of us that make the statement this way, why if God know everything, I still got to pray? Why if God know everything, I still got to ask? Why if God knows everything, I got to seek and knock? Why? Because there's something to learn in the process. There's something that will happen in your soul and in your spirit in you doing that. we got to understand that whatever God tells us to do has nothing to do with him. We're missing the whole point of how much God loves us. And when he gives us a command, when he tells us what to do, he can get it done if he has to. He's almighty God. But he's telling us because he wants something good for you. Why God wants us to do all this when he knows it? Because he wants something to be good for you, to work in your life. So when you ask, something will profit you in the process. When you seek, something will profit you in the process. When you knock, something will profit you in the process. That's why I'm saying we have to become comfortable and embrace the process because that's where we're learning things. That's where we will be equipped. That's where we will become better Christians. It's in the process. Not when God gives you the answer. You learn nothing when God gives you the answer. It's how you get to the answer will you learn anything. What is God's will for my life? God unfolds his will slowly. Most people just want a simple yes or no. Do this or do that. Buy this or don't buy that. Move there or don't move there. Marry them or don't marry them. Just give me an answer, Jesus. (laughs) God told Abraham to look for a mountain to sacrifice Isaac, his son. But God didn't tell him where the mountain was. He just told Abraham, you will know it when you see it. (laughs) That's why God does not reveal it all at once. So we will develop the instinct to know it when we see it. 
That's why God doesn't give you clear directions about everything. Because God is trying to develop something in you so you can know it when you see it. So you can become familiar with the things of God. Mm. There's something about your instincts being pruned by the uncertainties of life. When you are uncertain and you have to trust in God, you become really sensitive. You become so in tune with God when you don't know. But when you know, you will, you don't have to be connected to God. If all God is going to tell you is yes or no or go or not go, then how do you stay connected? You're just walking around, taking instructions. You're almost like a robot. You're not developing any relationship, any instinct for God. You're just moving around. Yes, no, maybe. Oh, God. Oh, he's just telling you. It's God's way of increasing your faith to, to, to let you seek after things and for him to allow you to learn how he does things. For if you have what you hope for, why then do you hope for it? If we have everything we want, what is there to look forward to? Kids, Jordan. If you have everything you want, what's there to look forward to? You don't want to have everything you want. You don't need faith if you always have clear directions. You don't need to have faith if you always have clear direction. If God says all you have to do is go to the corner, make a right and go all the way down the street, and then you make a left and you're right there, you don't need faith. But he told Abraham, he says, go to a place that I will show you. And poor old Abraham, when you get near Abe, you will know. Just go. Dude set out, got to go. Okay, I guess I'm supposed to go straight. You know what the Bible called Abraham? The father of faith. <laughs> because he went and he didn't know where he was going. You go and you know where you're going. You don't have no faith. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm winding this thing down. God just puts you in the neighborhood and tells you, I'm going to make your senses so keen that when you see it, you're going to know it. That takes a lot of being familiar with God to see something and know it's of God. A lot of times... I know right away when something is of God and when it's not of God. But what, where did that come from? That comes from my experience of seeking, my experience of knocking, my experience of, 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 of asking. Those are the things that have developed my senses. Probably not the best word, but you know what I mean. My instinct to say, oh, that's of God. And something that I can look at and say, oh, that's not of God. 
You can't, you don't get to do that overnight. It's something that's a process. Uh huh. And when you see it, you're going to know that I am communicating with you on a level where other people don't understand. When you get enough involved with God, where you're knocking, you're seeking, you're praying, you're doing all the things that you need to do to become familiar, to become aware, to become in tune with God. When you have done that enough, you will know and you will develop a relationship with God that not everybody has. Abraham developed a relationship with God that most people didn't have. Why? Because he was just following without knowing he was going through the processes that he was experiencing and he embraced it and so he knew God in a way where a lot of people didn't because why most people don't want the process what my man the um naming the king you know I always come I always tell you about naming the king Naaman had leprosy and Naaman wanted to be healed But Naaman didn't want the process. And what I tell you about God, God's will for us is that we know him. He allowed his children to be in bondage for 400 years so the heathen nation could know him. He allowed this king to have to go through the process. So not just so the king can be healed, but so the king can know him. When Daniel was in the lion's den, he shut up the mouth of the lion so they can know him. God is taking people through things so they can know him. Not just so they can go through stuff. God's not just trying to make you miserable. We think the Lord trying to make us miserable. God, why can't you do this? Why you got to let me go through this, God? And God is saying, come on now. I love you. Why do you think I want to make you miserable? In fact, my blessing that I have for you will not come through your natural senses. Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, neither has entered into your heart the things that I have in store for them that love me. So you're doing this without knowing, but that's, you're doing, you're doing it without knowing so you can know him. <laughs> you're doing it without knowing so you can know him. It's always been about us having our total confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ so we can know him for ourselves, have a personal relationship with him. So when I get ready to do something great for you, you will recognize it because you will be familiar with me because of all that you've gone through with me. Uh-huh. You're going to know in your spirit when God is revealing something to you. Oh, you're going to know. And when you know, can't no devil stop you. Uh-huh. When you know, that, that, that's the next thing, that, that in order for you to be strong, in order for you to withstand the devil, you got to know. You can't be guessing this thing. You can't be thinking this thing. You got to know. And while God is allowing us to experience the process, it's so we can know. And then guess what? We'll look the devil straight in the eye and say, devil, I'm not worried about you because I know some things that God has shown me because of the process that I went through with God. Uh huh. When we go through the process, we will get to 
experience spiritual things in God that only through the process we had learned that. And then you will know why you had to go through all of this. You have to go through all of it just so you can know him. This is why it's important to live for God and know God. Because I don't believe you can know the will of God if you don't get to know God. People are trying to know the will of God without knowing God. You cannot circumvent the process. You can't. So for you to know the will of God without knowing God, it's not possible. If you don't know God and you're just doing whatever you want and calling it God's will, that's just your thing. The more you know God, the more you will understand God's will. The more you know God, the more you will understand his will. The more you're going to know what his will isn't, the more you know God. So the more you know God, you will know his will. The more you know God, the more you will know what his will is not. Uh-huh. So when I know what the will of God is, I no longer have to spend time investing in things that are not strengthening the will of God in my life. This speaks to me a lot, and I'm finishing here. Someone might look at me and says, brother, it looks like you have found out what God's will is for your life. And so sometimes you speak from that standpoint, and you're right. But what you better be right about also is, what was I doing before I found the will out? (laughs) What was I doing before that? So you, it's easy for someone to say, and they're right 100% that, brother, you probably know the will of God for your life right now. And I would probably say yes. So that's why I'm steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, and no, this is where I belong, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to keep on doing it till I die, till I meet Jesus in the air, one or the other. But the bottom line is, I will stay right where God has placed me because I know God's will for my life. But my question to you is, how did I end up knowing God's will for my life? That's the question. The question is not, well, do you know God's will for your life now, brother? Yeah, I do. But that's not the question. The question is, how did you come to know God's will for your life? And I'll tell you a whole lot of early morning prayer. I'll tell you a whole lot of going in the streets and witnessing the people. I'll tell you a whole lot of going to people's home and teach them home Bible studies. I'll tell you it's a whole lot of going into building. It's about sacrificing your life, spending your own money, going to people's house and doing all kind of stuff, going to community centers and, 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 and teaching. I can tell you a whole lot about it. I can tell you about risking my life, uh, touching people's open womb because they were shooting up needles to get them baptized. I can give you all the stories of how I got to know God's will. That's the question right there. How do you ever come to know God's will? So if I'm, if, if it seems like, well, you know God's will and that's why you're like that, that's true, but I'll be quick to say to you, but what are you doing to know God's will? Because I know what it takes to know God's will is what I'm telling you. I know what it takes to find out God's will. I can now focus on his will. God wants you to know 
that it's time to start investing your energy in things and in people and actions that are going to enhance the will of God in your life. So part of what helped me to know the will of God is what did I invest my life into? The things of God. God's business into people. My life, always about the business of God. That's what God is looking for from us. And that's why I started out this evening by saying, Oh, if we can just stop and say, God, God, I don't want all of the trimmings of life and all of the, the ways of life and all of the situations and cares of this life to consume me so much that all I can ever do is to look at you to say, give me, give me, give me. And I can never do anything for you because I'm so consumed with everything of this life. I've always worked, and as you know, more than one jobs. I've always had kids, uh-huh, but you can do it by understanding that no matter what's going on in your life, you can live for God and making God your all in all and still do the things that you need to do. You can. And if you're going to know God's will for your life, you're going to have to give more of yourself more of your time, more of your energies, more of your actions into God because God will show you his will as you are engaged in the process. You're not going to know God's will by standing offish and saying, well, God, you, you God, you know everything. Just show me. That's what most of us have done. Sit around and God, well, will you tell me? And we, we just wait because God knows and we're waiting. And God is saying, you're missing the boat. Because the boat is, I want you to engage me. And some of the times I'm not going to answer you. And some of the times I'm not going to allow things to go your way. And some of the times I'm going to make you feel like you're just way outside the box where you should not be. But it's all a part of the process because I want you to know me in a most intimate way. So when I finally get you to knowing my will for your life, you will know it. Let's stand. The will of God for your life is not as easy as people want to make it out to be. It's not going to be easy. And God made it that way. He called it a mystery at some point. At some point, the, the will of God is a mystery. It's veiled up and you can't know it. But God will unveil it to you. The more you seek him, the more you allow his process to take place in your life, you will begin to get closer and closer to the unveiling of God's will for your life. It doesn't come overnight. It doesn't happen like you think it should. It's not going to come by as easy as you think it should. But if you will keep seeking God, if you will keep investing your life, yourself, your time, your 
your money into God. God will one day reveal his will for your life. And when you get to that place of knowing what God's will is for your life, oh, what a glorious day. And nothing really matters. And nobody can talk you out of it. And the devil can't talk you out of it. And the devil can't scare you out of it. You will say, for God I live and for God I die. We might look at the Apostle Paul and say, what a man of God. And he certainly was a man of God. But what he had come to find out was God's will for his life. And that's why he didn't care if he was in jail or he was walking the streets or whatever he was doing. He knew the will of God. And when you know the will of God, that's when you get to the place where you said, I will die for this. Because you know. And then you can look back at all the time and all of your efforts and energy and everything that you invested into it. You can look back and say, "Woo, that's it. I give my all to this. We all need to give our all to this. Jesus has been good to us. He's coming back for us. And he has said that his will is a mystery, but he will reveal it to us if we will seek him. If you go to John chapter 13, he talked about that with the parables. He says his will, he will reveal to them that are his. So God wants to reveal his will, but he just don't reveal it right away. Just boom, bam, here you go. No, because he wants you to receive something in the process. Father, we love you. Thank you for this great time and opportunity for us to come together to learn of you. Lord, we thank you for your word. You're so good to us, always speaking to our soul and our spirit, always seeming to be in there for us no matter what, Lord God. But Lord, as I always communicate with you, I always feel so like I'm not doing enough of what you have called me to do. Lord, your will, I always feel like there's more that you want from me in doing your will. And so tonight I pray that you will help me to see more of the ways of God and how I should seek you and how I need to knock and how I need to ask and how, Almighty God, I need to pursue you to be able, Almighty God, to know your will in a more intimate way. There's so much more to know about you. There's so much to understand about you that we don't understand. And so tonight I pray over this body of believers, Lord, every person that are, oh God, engaged via live stream or here in person, Lord God, I pray that somehow as the word went out tonight, it will grab a hold of every one of us in such a way, Lord God, that we will never cease to pursue the will of God until we die or until the rapture comes. But Lord, there will be a move in our soul, a deep supernatural move, oh God, down in our soul that will make us pursue you and that the cares of this life our responsibilities in this life all the things that we encounter in this life will not get the best of us will not cause us to make you Lord God second best or to put you to the side but Lord that we will be consumed by you and everything else Lord will work around us oh Father have your way tonight we need the power of God to manifest in our services, Lord. We need the power of God to be so great that every person that 
Oh God, have need. Every person, Lord God, that don't really know you, that are trying to know you, will have that opportunity by the presence of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and that your will be done in their life. Lord, help us. Lord, move on us tonight, will you, that we will never be the same again. Oh God, bless us. Oh God, move upon us. Oh God, strengthen us tonight, oh great God. Lord, help us to see the way you want us to see, Lord God. Give us spiritual eyes. Give us spiritual eyes. Give us a hunger and a thirst, oh God, as we pursue after you, your purpose, the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, help us. Lord Jesus, move upon us. Not just when we come to the house of worship, but God, let it be every awakening moment that we exist, Lord, upon this earth, that we will be consumed by your will for our life, by doing what is right and pleasing unto you. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh great God, that something will change tonight because of the word that went forth. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We adore you. And we praise you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, love the Lord one more time. Just let him know you love him. Just thank him tonight. He's worthy of all the praises, the honor and the glory. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God bless you. I love you, church. Have a great evening. And we'll see you back here Saturday. We have a men's meeting tomorrow, and I'm going to throw a curveball. Listen, if you can make it here tomorrow evening, I will be here at 7.30. If it's just me, I'll be here, and I'll just just hang. But if, if a couple of the men, we have a men's meeting scheduled. If you want to meet me here, meet me here. I promise I'll feed you, and we'll hang for a little bit and just chill. So if you can make it, meet me here. I know we talk about uh, doing Zoom but if we can come out sometimes, you know, we got to come out. I like the in-person stuff. I'll be here tomorrow at 730. God bless you. Have a great evening. And the fear that gripped my heart is arrested.